Hello, I'm Sean. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad that you're listening today. For more information on all that's happening at Wellspring, please visit our website at www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 15 and 16. The Bible says this. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them. That thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So here we have Paul writing this letter to Timothy, and he says here at the end of chapter 4, meditate upon these things. A couple weeks ago we talked about thinking, thinking right in 2019, and one of the verses we used was think on these things, right? Remember that from Philippians? Think on these things. Here he says meditate on these things. What things is he talking about meditating on? Well, if you back up and read all of chapter 4, and really, if you read all of 1 Timothy, uh, he's talking about doctrine. He's talking about sound doctrine, what is false doctrine, and what is right doctrine. He's talking about the truth of the church, right? He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and he says, meditate on these things. Meditation. Meditating here in the New Testament. Um, in the Old Testament, he talks a lot about meditating. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning is my meditation. Um, if this is not something that you practice, this may be something that you begin to do. Meditation is to dwell on anything in thought. You know, our walk and our relationship with Christ is faith, faith, faith based. But, but with that, we do not check our thoughts or check our brain at the door. No, we are fully engaged in thought in the Lord. Um, I believe that God will stretch our thinking and stretch our brain as we engage in faith. He will stretch it to new limits and new heights. Uh, just like that song we sang this morning, How Great Thou Art. I mean, if you just think about the words of that song and how great God is and how powerful He is, you know, it begins to take our mind into a great, uh, great many directions with the Lord. Um, to meditate as you contemplate, as you study, to think about the truths of God. But more importantly than that, is to think about God Himself. Just to, just to meditate on Him. Not just the truths, which is good. But to meditate on Him. To think about Him. And who He is. You know, to give yourself wholly to them. That's what He says there. He says, uh, give thyself wholly to them. You know what's interesting? Is uh, from time to time, you can uh, get lost in thought. Can't you? And that's a good thing, really, to get lost, like to lose yourself, to wholly uh, focus on something. Have you ever done that? Got in the Bible and, and uh, started like 
sometimes you get in something and you see something that you've never seen before and then maybe you'll start cross-referencing or looking around or the Lord starts speaking to you and before long you have lost yourself in, in, in His presence, in His Word and you feel like that because in reality you are, you're having a fellowship with, with God through His Word, through His Spirit. And this is meditation. This is Him speaking to us and thinking on Him. Deep thought, concentrated thought uh, to of the Lord where space and time, the cares of this world just kind of fall off. This is what we desire even in church. Even in times of Bible study and, and preaching and singing that we can... Uh, fully engage our thoughts on Him and try to push off these other things and allow them to fall aside for a while as we are consumed in our mind with Him and His Word and His truth in fellowship with Him. This is healthy. This is good for us. He says in doing this, Paul says to Timothy, if you'll meditate on these things, if you'll give yourself wholly to them, what does he say? That thy profiting may appear to all. You know what's interesting in the world today and in our culture and society is people think that uh, Christianity is foolishness. I mean, they, a lot of folks do. They think, this, they think what we're doing here, even now, is foolishness. It's just foolishness, that there's no profit in it. Like, there's no, what's the profit? What's the gain? But that's so far from the truth. Because as we... Uh, begin to meditate on the Lord and have fellowship with Him and grow in our walk and relationship with Christ, the profit is, is evident. I mean, the benefit of following Christ and having a relationship with Him is really not to be compared to anything here. As, as, as uh, we've read in Proverbs and, and Psalms, that the price of wisdom and this fellowship with God is far above gold and treasures and all the things of this world. And as we take heed, he says in verse 16, take heed to thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. In both doing this thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. Um, Do you know salvation comes through truth, through the doctrine of Jesus Christ, through Christ himself. Safety. Um, uh, This is why we desire God's Word. So this is kind of, this message this morning is kind of part two to the one that we had two, three weeks ago, Thinking Right in 2019, that no more stinking thinking, but believing in the Lord. That's the right thinking. Believing in the Lord. So in part two, we're going to specifically consider meditating on the Lord. The first message was believing in the Lord. Second, meditating on the Lord. Now, in our culture today, in the United States, in America, me mentioning uh, meditation or meditating may seem weird or like seem out of place. Like, um, I don't think it's a practice much in our culture. And uh, that's the stopping and directing our thoughts into one specific thing. Right, And it may seem foolish. I think there's other cultures that do more of this than we ourselves. We actually, as Americans, we kind of pride ourselves in being able to uh, you know, think of tons of things at once. You know? We're multi, multitaskers. And, uh, and I think it shows because we are so frazzled and stressed and stretched. You know, so many times we're wore out in our mind because it's going a hundred different 
directions. But this is a discipline that I think that if we can try and start, it's all through the scripture. You'll see I'm going to use a lot of verses that this um, a directed thought and directing our concentrated thought on God's word and God's works and specifically God himself, how this will benefit and profit us in our lives. Um, here right now, I'm reading uh, like three different books. Um, this is how I, I start a book and then I start another book and then I go back and forth and I'm, I, you can tell that I need uh, some, some work here in this concentrated thought because I'll, I'm, I'm, you know, I can't just read one at a time. So I'm reading three, but just so happens the three books that I'm reading, one's by A.W. Tozer, one's by C.S. Lewis, and one, one's by Oswald Chambers. All three of these books are what is evident that these men were deep thinkers. Not just were they blessed authors, but it is what Paul says that, that you're in meditating, it will profit and help other people. These folks, when you read their books, it is clear that they spent a lot of time thinking about God, thinking of meditating on Him. And the Bible says in Psalms 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he what? Meditate. Day and night. You say, you say if I'm going to start practicing this meditation... When should, and, I, and I hope I'm not freaking anybody out here with this meditation. This is not weird. I'm not talking about you know, anything weird. I'm not. I'm talking about stopping and saying the discipline of devotion. It's real. It's, a, it's devotion. Devoting your thoughts to Him. Devoting your, some time to Him. You say, when should I do it? All over and over and over, the suggested times in the Bible are morning and evening. And you say, how do I do that? Well, I don't know if you have time to read the Bible and then just think about it. And then in the morning, when you wake up, I don't, I don't want to try to make Christianity uh, uh, easy. Maybe, maybe it would be good to get it out and get on your knees or sit in a place where you're wide awake. But sometimes, before I even open my eyes, I'm still laying there in bed. And again, I don't want to make it a lazy uh, uh, meditation. But just to stop and think, you know, Lord, you're good, and you're in control of the day. And begin to think on Him and His power and His strength. That I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to worry about. That I can go forward in courage and courageousness for what I'm called to do today by His strength and His power and His might. He says, in His law doth He meditate day and night. And He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth His fruit in His season. And his leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. There is a profiting. There is a benefit in taking this quiet devotion to God. Meditation. And thinking about him. And thinking about his work. And thinking about his word. Um, the Psalms has a lot to say about meditation. Now, the Psalms is the Bible's praise book, right? A lot of times we think of praise and worship. We think of feeling and action and words, which is fine. That's okay. 
But I think these feelings and these action and these words come from something deep inside. Right? True worship. And that worship comes from a meditation. What do you say? You've been thinking about God. You've been thinking about His Word. You've been thinking about His works. And now you want to worship Him. When you sing how great thou art, you're thinking, wow. I've been thinking about you this morning, Lord, and how great thou art. I was thinking about you last night, God, and what you do and what you've done. And I've been thinking about your word and how great thou art. Worship that comes from meditating, from thinking on him. Psalm 77. We're going to be in Psalms for a little while. But Psalm 77 and verse 12. Psalm 77 and verse 12. He says this. I will meditate also of all thy what? Work. And talk of thy doings. So here, the psalmist is meditating on what? His work. Um, uh, uh, Shailen this morning was quoting Psalms 19. And you know how Psalms 19 starts. Is the heavens declare the glory of God, right? And, the, and, his, and his firm show it his handiwork. You know what? And then he goes on to talk about the law of the Lord is perfect. His creation and his word are his works. And as we begin to look out here, what do you see? What do you see when you see creation? Do you see the works of God? When you see a changed heart and a changed life, someone that... Uh, once didn't believe in God or know God or have a relationship with Him to now having a deep fellowship with Him. That's a miracle. I believe that that's a miracle. Those are the works of God that He is doing. What is God doing in the world? What has He done? Like just those three questions to set and ponder, right? What has He done? What is He doing in my life? What is He doing in others? What is He doing in the world today? And what's He going to do? And when you start... You know, what's, you know what makes the Bible fun? There's a little bit of, uh, of um, just curiosity. Curiosity. Like, when I'm just reading the Bible, like, oh, let's say, God, what are you going to do next? You know? Like, Revelation. How fun is that book? Why? Because that's what God's doing. That's what He's going to do. I mean, a little curiosity of, God, what are you up to? You know? What's going on? I'm interested to know. I want to know. Psalms 143, verse 5. He says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on the work of thy hands. I, I know Rebecca this morning is teaching uh, the kids out of the book of Exodus. And you know what's amazing? Is the, the story of God taking his people from, from, from Egypt uh, toward the promised land. Do you know what I find is interesting? Because that was a big deal to the people for years to come. Even in the New Testament, Paul preached on it. Stephen talked about it. People were still talking uh, that many years later about what God had done, bringing this whole nation miraculously out of Egypt and into the promised land. And they constantly, I've got to think about it, there was people generations later that were more excited about what God was doing than the people he did it for I got to think about that. Isn't that amazing? We shouldn't be that. We should stop and say, what are you doing in my life, God, so that I can give thanks? I don't want to be one of those people that you've delivered me out of sin and death and hell, 
and never stopped to thank you for it. Right? I want to be that person. I don't want to be being delivered out of Egypt and taken to the promised land and complain the whole way. Right? That was a powerful work of God that He had done. So thinking about His works and His and His and His what God has done. Um, I, that book I told you, one of the books I'm reading by A.W. Tozer is called The Knowledge of the Holy. And what's, inter- what's, what's, what's interesting about this book and about these writers, really, is there's so much about God. And I'm not, I'm not bad-mouthing modern-day authors, but so much of modern-day Christian authors are about us. Like how we have a, you know. But these, these, these folks were all about God. And who he was. Each chapter, uh, he's incomprehensible. He's self-existent. He's self-sufficient. He's eternal. His wisdom is infinite. He has all power, all knowledge. Uh, He is faithful. He has a whole chapter on God's goodness, on his justice, on his mercy, on his infinite grace, on his love, on his sovereignty, on his holiness. And just each one of those chapters as you read on it and think about these different attributes of God and who he is. Do you know what it does? It, it encourages me. It gives me faith and, and it helps to make us think about, wow, how great thou art. You are amazing. You are infinite. You are wonderful. Uh, we don't have anything to worry about if he says that he's with us and will never forsake us. Psalm 63 and verse 6 says this, When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches... I don't know, sometimes uh, I can't Sometimes I can't sleep. Typically it's because I'm thinking about something I shouldn't be, you know, worried about something or something, you know, gets your heart racing, you get up and you're up half the night. You know what's good for me to do at that point? It's like the songs. It's think about the Lord in the night watches. To get up and say, you know what, I can sit here and consume my mind with this or that, but instead... Let me think about the Lord. Let me, let me consider Him. Let me push this log back in the fire before it gets smoky in here. Let me consider the Lord and think about Him. Uh, he says, uh, meditate on thy works. Meditate on thy word. Meditate on thy word. Psalm 119 and verse 15, the Bible says, I will meditate in thy precepts. And have respect unto thy ways. Psalms 119 talks all about God's word. And all about his words. Psalm 119 verse 23 says this. Princes also did sit and speak against me. But thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. What do you do when people start talking about you? What do you do when people start talking bad about you? What do you do when people are, uh, are against you? Do you know what David did and what many of them did? Meditate on God's word. You say, what do I do when I go through trouble and trial? Read the Bible. You say, oh, that sounds crazy. Meditate on God. Meditate on His work. Meditate on His words. Meditate on Him. Think about Him. Consider Him. There's a lot to think about. (laughs) Guys, there's a lot to think about here. I mean, this will stretch our our minds to extreme levels. As we meditate on Him and meditate on His Word, this is a deep ocean. I believe, it's a, I believe it's a shallow little brook for those that need it. I do. I believe it's a cool drink of water. for the for, I, That's what I believe the Word of God is. I, I believe it's what we need. But I also believe it's the deepest of oceans for those who see, search it out and dive down deep and meditate 
I believe that that's what God's Word is. As we meditate on God's works, and we meditate on God's Word, let me just say this. We don't just think about words on a page. That's not what this is. That's not what the Bible is. It's not just words on a page, but it's a person, Jesus Christ. That's where the relationship comes in. This is where I believe many of the Pharisees went wrong, is they began to focus on words and not Jesus Christ. They began to focus on words and precepts and these sort of things without, without putting the person with it. What makes this so precious is God. What makes the Bible so precious is Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 5 and verse 39, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He said, Search the Scriptures. Like, look into them. You think you have eternal life, but it's through the Scriptures that says, I'm eternal life. Jesus Christ is the eternal life. I, I, please, make our Bible reading sincere. That it's not just words on a page. It might as well be in a different language if our heart's not engaged. It might as well be if, if we're not engaged into it, right? And seeking Him, the person. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 12. I, here's an example of this. Matthew 12. Jesus, dealing with the Pharisees, religious crowd. You know the Pharisees of that day. I mean, these were professional religious people. I mean, these people memorized whole books of the Bible, of the Old Testament. I mean, they knew it backwards, frontwards, inside out, every which way. They knew it, knew it, knew it. Matthew 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went out on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungered, and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. You know what they said? You're guilty. Your disciples are guilty. They're doing wrong. Right? That's what they're saying to Jesus. They're, they're accusing Jesus of doing something wrong and his disciples of doing something wrong. Breaking the law. The law that he broke. The law that he gave them. That he broke it, they said. And he said unto them, Have ye not read? I want you to pay attention to that. Have ye not read what David did when he was in hunger, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread. You remember this story. He's running from, from Saul. Which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them that were with him, but only for the priests. Have ye not read? This is the second time Jesus says to them, Have ye not read? Have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days priests of the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. And here's the key. Because twice, here's the thing. Twice Jesus says to Pharisees, have you not read? Do you know that that was the big, that was an insult to the Pharisees? I mean, they had read it. Are you kidding me? They knew it backward, frontward. They knew the stories that he was talking about as, as well as anybody. And he sitting there said, have you not read? Have you not read? They read it. I mean, they, they taught it. 
But here's the key, verse 7. But if you had known what this what means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath day. You know what he said? You're making wrong judgments. You're condemning the guiltless because you don't know me. You know my words, but you don't know me. You don't know the Lord of the Sabbath. This is the key, folks, is knowing Him. Why do we meditate on His Word? Not just to be intellectually better, smarter Christians that we know more Scripture than the next guy, that we know more doctrine than the next guy. Doctrine is an empty shell. I mean this, and it's dangerous. Doctrine is an empty shell without a Savior. These words can be used to hurt without a Savior, without Jesus, without Christ, without the Spirit, without the Holy Spirit. With the, the words, with the Spirit, with the Savior, is life-changing, it's life, it's, it's liberty, it's everything that we'd ever dreamed of. But without it, it's empty, it's, it's, it's dangerous even. God reveals His Word, but He reveals to us Himself. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and verse 6, who hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. 2 Corinthians 3, 6. You know what Paul's saying? Hey, don't follow the letter of the law. Follow the Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit that gives life. Can I say there is one greater than these words? And I, I hope that doesn't. I'm not confusing because you can't. He is his word. But without the spirit in there, it's, it's empty. You say, why do we meditate on his words? To know him? To know him. That's it. To know Christ. We meditate to know him, to draw closer to him because without him, we miss it. We can know the words, quote them. But yet we miss it. We make wrong judgments. We call the guilt, the blameless guilty, and the guilty. We make that's what the Pharisees were doing without knowing the Lord of the Sabbath, without knowing Christ. You know what Paul said at the end of his ministry, and I preached the message about this just recently. But you know what Paul said in Philippians three, verse ten, that I may know Him, that I may know Him. You know what was was Paul a Christian at that point? Yeah. He had been for a while, planted a bunch of churches, led a lot of folks to Christ. He was a, he was a dedicated uh, uh, Christian, minister, believer. And you know what he was saying then? That I may know him. That I may know him. What? That I may draw close to him. Not that I'd be saved, he was already saved. Listen, the reason why we want to know him is because of what he's done for us. Let me say it like this. If you truly believe, if you've meditated on what salvation is, let's just take salvation, for instance. Just take salvation and study what it means. What it means. It means that your sins are forgiven, that you're justified, that you've been given new life, that you have hope over death, that you have hope in the resurrection. I mean, all this sort of stuff. When you start meditating that, one, one truth uh, that, that pertains to you, do you know what I believe would be the natural reaction but I want to know my Savior better. I mean, wouldn't that, wouldn't that just make you want to know Him more? 
your benefactor, the person who had given all this blessing to you. They say, they say that in these books, you know, the, uh, uh, the, they put the author's picture a lot of times on the inside of a book and the inside cover. You know why they say they do that? It's because when people start reading the book, they want to just know a little more about the author. That's how they should be. When we start reading the book, we shouldn't be wanting to say, I want to know more about my religion. I want to know more about my denomination. I want to know more about my this and that. I want to have a better argument, a better stance. I want to know. No. We go into God's Word saying, I want to know Him. I want to know a little more about the author. I want to know more about God. The one who saved me. The one who loved me and gave Himself for me. Joshua chapter 1, we'll close. Verse 8 9, the Bible says, The book of the law shall not depart. Turn there. This is, I hope, encouraging. Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 9. We were writing, uh, we were writing things in the walls before the drywall went on the new church. I wrote this in there. This is one of my favorites. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. By the way, all, that, all them verses got covered up with drywall. We need to start writing on the subfloor before that gets covered up. <laughs> this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt what? Meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. Just like Paul told Timothy. Just like Paul. I found this interesting. Just like Paul told Timothy, if you meditate on God's Word and God, you'll have good success and you'll prosper. Just like Paul told Timothy, God told Joshua. Saying, hey, this is how you have good success. This is how you grow. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage and be not afraid. Neither be dismayed. You know why I think sometimes we're afraid and dismayed? It's because we're not meditating on God and His works. When you start thinking about God's works... Like that he speaks things into existence and the miracles and wonders that he's done throughout human history. It's hard to be afraid, isn't it? We can meditate on these things. The Bibles are treasure, but what's so precious about it? It's how we know him. It's how we draw close to him. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. Thou shalt keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Do you need peace in your life? Do you need strength in your life? Of course you do. Of course I do. We need peace. We need the strength from the Lord. How do we get it? Meditation. Meditate in His Word. Meditate on His works. Meditate on Him. When? In the, in the morning. In the evening. In the night watch. When you can't sleep. Why? So that I may know Him. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. And feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.